Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Anthony Griffin. Thanks for being on the show, Anthony. Oh, thanks for inviting me, Whitney. Yeah, I appreciate your time and, and sharing your expertise with myself and the listeners today. And and I hope, uh, as a listener, I hope you have gone and left a rating and written review. We would be very grateful for that. And join the Facebook group, The Real Estate Syndication Show, uh, where you can connect with experts like Anthony and ask questions. And you can leave questions uh, for me to ask on the show. We would be grateful for any feedback. We're always trying to improve the show. And so you can get the most value out of your time listening. And so uh, go to LifeBridge Capital and connect with me personally, and we'll try to help you anyway we can. So Anthony Griffin is the founder of Griffin Group LLC, a commercial property investment firm located in Jackson, Mississippi. He's been investing in real estate for over 13 years and is also a licensed home builder. Before he started his entrepreneurial journey, he was the property manager or controller for a portfolio of over 2.5 million square feet of office space. A run-in with, with his former boss was a blessing in disguise that caused him to open his own investment firm as well as start an insurance agency that handled commercial and personal insurance lines. His unique blend of experience has allowed him to quickly build his own firm and to help other investors in his local market. Anthony and his wife also homeschool their sons while growing their business together they are true familypreneurs. Thanks for sharing that, Anthony. I, and I appreciate that. And, and I look forward to getting into your experience. Give us a little more background about yourself. And I'd love to hear about, you know, how you, you took that plunge, you know, or you had the run in with the boss and, you know, I'd love for us to get into, you know, taking that plunge and some of those steps, because that's a, that's a hard step to take, I think, you know, for most of us. So, but give us a little more about who you are and what you're doing. Okay. Well, Whitney, um, I guess I can say my career actually started officially being an investor in 2004. And we've all bought a piece of property that looking in hindsight being 2020, we wondered what was going on in our head. The first piece of property I bought was a fourplex in, shall I say, a very rough area. And when I say rough area, this place, to tell you how bad of a property it was, we bought a fourplex for $25,000. Wow. And this property, when we looked inside, everything that couldn't have been bolted down probably was gone. And the floor was literally moving from all of the insects and rodents and stuff that were in some of the units. So needless to say, it was a challenge. And during the time we had it, we ended up actually nine months later, and I made every mistake in the book that you can make. I got taken advantage of by contractors. I didn't know what to do, didn't know how to rent it. It was just one of those properties that when it speaks to you, you can't walk away from it. And so we ended up buying it. And nine months later, we actually made a profit. Strangely, we made a profit. <laughs> so to the, the story about the bad boss, and this is, where I guess, where my real history comes from. I was working for Department of Finance Administration, which is a government office that handles all of the real estate that's government owned in Jackson, Mississippi. 
we had two and a half million square feet of class A office space. And I was literally writing their budgets, writing their leases and managing all of the property with an Excel spreadsheet. Most people in the industry use Argus or Yardy or something like that to match property, but we had an Excel spreadsheet. So that tells you how out of date it was. And I think, you know, every investor looks back at a moment in his career when you get that light bulb that somebody gives you and tells you that there's other things on the way. There was an investor uh, named Rod Chamley. I'll never forget him. He's deceased now. But I was invited to a meeting of commercial brokers in our area uh, because I had so much property to deal with. These were all the other movers and shakers in our area. And so one of the gentlemen asked me, he said, well, you know, you're, you, you're new to our meeting. So tell us a little bit about you, who you are, what you do. And I told him all the stuff that I had to do. And everybody starts laughing. And, you know, when people laugh and you're not in on the joke, it's a little uncomfortable. <laughs> so I asked him, uh, I asked the guy that invited me, I said, man, what's what's funny? He said, I didn't realize that you had to do all that work. I thought you just did a few things. And so the gentleman asked me again, he said, well, sir, if you don't mind me asking, you don't have to answer, but how much do they pay you a year to do all that? And, you know, I'm cocky thinking that as a government employee, I make a lot of money. I say $50,000 and everybody laughs again. And so now I'm really kind of nervous and I'm asking, you know, why is this so funny to everybody? And the guy that invited me told me, he said, Parkway Properties, which is a public REIT that's used to be in Jackson, now they're in Florida. He says they have a whole floor full of employees to do what they make you do. And $100,000 is the minimum salary for any of those people, less not somebody doing all of it. And so Mr. Chambly, I think he started feeling bad for the fact that I was kind of upset that I was the brunt of the joke. And he says, son, if you want a little advice, do this job for three years and learn everything they'll let you learn. And he said, I can guarantee you, you can write your own ticket in the real estate industry after that if you're just willing to put up with it for three years. Well, you know, sometimes prophecy is told to you whether you want to believe in it or not. And three years to the date after that conversation, me and that boss had that talk. And he told me, I don't care how well you do your job. I just personally don't like you. Wow. And so just if you find something else to do. And so we stepped out on faith. My wife told me to, to leave. And we started buying our own property. and. Not only do we buy our own property because I'm a licensed contractor, we own a roofing and construction company too. So not only are we able to buy it and uh, manage our own property, but we own the construction company that renovates them also. So it's kind of a weird set of uh, skills, kind of like Liam Neeson, you know, I have a strange set of skills. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my, my history in kind of a nutshell. Okay. So... You know, tell me about that transition, though. I mean, you know, I mean, you left you left the day job that most, you know, we're we're all taught to believe that's that's secure, right? Like, we're taught to believe that this is secure. You know, either you get an education or not, but you but you get a good job like this, especially a a government job. Well, that I mean, that's like what everybody dreams about, right? And you know, it's this right. you know so secure, and you got that paycheck, you got that pension. So maybe one day, thirty years from now, you could retire. Right. Uh, yeah. So right. somehow, you know, that we're taught to believe that, but that didn't work out for you. So tell me about, you know, you left, you know, you walked out of the building, you're done with that. 
And, you know, how did you make it happen? You know, becoming that entrepreneur, moving from that day job that we're told to be secure out to this entrepreneurial world. Well, I'll tell you, Whitney, some of some of what helped was I was at right at 19 and a half out of 25 years. You're eligible to retire at 25. And I calculated before I left what my retirement really was worth to me. And at 25 years, you only get 50% of what you make. So for 25 years of your life, out of 50,000, I would have gotten 25,000 a year in retirement. The first building I bought pays me $40,000 net every year. And that's after all the expenses. Wow. Well, congratulations to you. That's a, it's, it's an amazing story. Uh, tell me about this building. Well, we own an office building in a um, nice office park in, in North Jackson. And the story behind this building, this is another one of those gems in the rough like the apartment building was. When I first left the uh, state, I started doing insurance for a little while. Don't know why I did insurance. It's one of those things that, you know, you have no skills for, but it just seems comfortable at the time instead of going into what you really know how to do. So we started doing insurance for a little while. And I looked at LoopNet of all places, which is where properties usually go to die. And this building was a bank-owned property that uh, had been in foreclosure three years before I bought it. And I bought it basically on price alone. They wanted $250,000 for which I thought about it and I said, I could probably come together with $250,000. I could borrow that. And it had one tenant in it that was literally making all of the debt service. And this tenant had been in this property 10 years. So they were a long-term tenant, had a long-term lease and everything. Well, this is a weird story and it, it depends. You had to have a lot of faith to believe how this worked out, because at the time I quit, <clears throat> at the time I quit, I didn't have any money in cash, so I didn't have thirty percent down payment. And I looked around, looked around, looked around, and something told me your retirement is where your money is. Now, who wants to leave a job and then take the retirement out too? Because you guarantee you can't go back. It's one of those burn the ship moments, right? And so when I got the money out. That was all of the money. I got $60,000 for a $250,000 building. But when I came in and looked at it as, a con as, as the building as a contractor, long story short, we negotiated the building down to $107,000. And needless to say, I was called a lot of things by the bank that was selling the property. They were not happy that they had lost half their value. But even at $107,000 and debt service being paid by this tenant, no bank in town would touch me. And I actually went to one bank, and I won't call their name, but I deposited $60,000 in cash into a checking account in, in, uh, <clears throat> in hopes that they would finance a loan for 107. They told me no. And the reason they told me no is that, well, you don't have a job. And I was thinking, well, being a real estate investor is my job, and I've got almost 60% of the payment for the building. I could almost buy it in cash right now. And you can keep my money and lock it up. And they told me no. And so uh, my lawyer at the time told me that if they won't give you the money for this property, I will, because it's a slam dunk. And needs to say, I've owned this building eight years, 
we owe roughly about $50,000 on it. It's almost paid off. It's still generating $40,000 a year in debt, sir. I mean, net income. And I get to keep one office in it with it being fully rented for my own personal office for my construction company. So this one was a slam dunk, too. Wow. So great story. So did the did the lawyer partner with you? He didn't need to. Oh, okay. The lawyer ended up not having to partner with me, simple for the fact that he introduced me to another banker, and the banker thought it was a slam dunk. We had plenty of equity in the property. We had debt service being fulfilled by only half of it being filled. And once we filled the other side, we were way positive in our cash flow on it. Nice. So so why commercial real estate? Why not you know do single family homes and, and small residential? I have done single family residential. And, and the reason why I don't do more of it anymore is that well, there's two reasons. One is your value for your property is only valued at what your house next door is worth. So being a home builder, I know that you can throw as much as you want into a home, but you still won't increase the value if the house next door isn't worth anymore. And a lot of single family investors end up starting out in the roughest areas to try and get a cheaper house, but their property will never increase in value because the other properties are not worth much. Another reason why I like commercial and multifamily is that when you have one vacancy in a single family house, you get to foot all the bills every month. And that is painful. I've done it before. At least if it's more than one unit, you've got some cash flow from somebody else. It's very, very rare if you manage a property well that everybody moves out at the same time. Unless it's a value-add property and you're moving them so you can renovate. So what's your preference over, say, multifamily or uh, office space like you've purchased? I am actually not buying any more office space for the simple fact that when it's really, really good, it's good. But it takes a long time to replace a tenant. Once they leave, it's kind of, especially with all of the WeWork spaces and people working at home, it gets a little bit harder to find somebody to fill an office space versus an apartment building with the economy being the way it is, there will always be people who rent. And I always tell my son who wants to be in the business also, as long as you keep your property safe and clean and manage it well, you will never have vacancies unless you just want them. So clean and safe. That's some good advice. We, and we take those like, we, that seems so simple, but we, some of us still don't do it. Or, you know? Yeah. Anything else like in the differences between residential and commercial and why you're sticking with you know, our multifamily now? Well, one thing about commercial, when I spoke to the value of a property being only worth what is your next door neighbor is in residential, that's only way they can appraise it is basically the other properties within a certain area. With commercial property, it's based as a multiple of what your net income is. So the first thing you do is you buy a property, you improve it, pass what it is now so that you can increase the rents eventually. Well, the other part of that is save as much money as possible. If you've got a lot of dead expenses in a property, clean them out, get rid of them, and that makes your bottom line a little bit better. And that bottom line is a multiple of what the property ends up being worth. And that's what they call a cap rate. I think you've spoken to that on, on some of your uh, posts. 
Oh yeah, we have. We've talked about that a lot on the show, obviously, and that's that's a great topic. Uh, but uh, you know, tell me, like, wh- you know, now that you had the government job for that many years, and then you know you've moved to this entrepreneurial field, you know, in, in commercial real estate, you know, what do you tell people, like your son, you know, for instance, or other people that are saying, you know, I want to get into real estate as well? What you know, what path do you tell them to take? I tell them look at at least two units. I I rarely tell anybody look at bigger than two or three units at a time to start because you've still got to learn how to manage tenants and tenants are an interesting bunch. You know, sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're not. And you have, it's almost like a three ring circus and you get to be the ringleader. You've got to know how to deal with people and their attitudes and uh, personalities. And you still got to provide a good service. I have a lot of people that work with me in church and we have a, um, a life group that's based around real estate. And a lot of guys either want to wholesale houses or they want to buy a single family rental. And I tell them all that that's a starter mentality. You can start like that and get your feet wet, but don't let that be the end all of your, your um, investing. Because once you get past five or six houses and they're spread all over town, it becomes kind of a nightmare to manage them versus five or six sitting in one spot. So how are you prepared for another downturn? We have recently liquidated a bunch of stuff we were involved in, and we're sitting on cash right now. Because just like 2008, I was a builder when 2008 came. And fortunately, I didn't get stuck with any inventory because we just lucked out purely. But I saw a lot of builders lose basically everything behind overbuilding and having a lot of inventory sitting on the ground. So we liquidated in the last year pretty much everything we were involved in except for two office properties. And we're sitting back looking for other opportunities to buy back in cheap. This next presidential election is going to be really interesting, to say the least. And we're waiting to see how the dust falls before we go back in really heavy. So how are you increasing deal flow now? Or are you going to wait till after that? We're still looking at deal packages. A lot of areas outside of our area, we're in Mississippi, of course. So a lot of the hotter areas like Florida and Texas, they're becoming overheated as far as I'm concerned, as far as buying property. Whenever you see a listing package and there's no price on it to even start with, that's overheated. So what we're doing is we're looking at the Jackson Metro market, which is close to where we are. And there's a lot of dilapidated property that is C and sometimes D property that can be renovated. We're starting to look at those now because there's a lot of upside in those instead of going to the class A properties where you're basically hoping it's worth something more in the future than it is now. Awesome. So Anthony, what's a, what's a way you've recently improved your business that we could apply to ours? Cut as much debt as possible. I know a lot of people who turn a property every five years. Our basis for how we buy properties is if we buy them, we buy them to keep them 20 years. So we hope to never sell anything unless it becomes to a point of somebody wants it really, really much more than we do. And that's where we sold a lot of stuff lately because the market's hot and everybody wants to buy something. But my biggest advice would be know your numbers when you go in, buy cheaply as you can, and don't over leverage a property. You can almost never get from under one that's over leveraged. And what's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? God. I appreciate that. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And how do you like to give back, Anthony? We volunteer with our church a lot. I also volunteer a lot with Habitat for Humanity through our construction company. And 
I always believe that if you do something forward, something good will come back on the other end. So if you see an opportunity to give, don't wait till somebody asks you. Just do it. Nice. Appreciate that, Anthony. And, and tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about your business. We have two websites. GriffinConstructionAndRoofing.com is where our, um, our construction company is. And Griffin Group Construction is where our property investment company is. You can also find us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Awesome. Thank you very much. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.